What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. Make sure to visit SoundCloud.com slash LandGrantHolyLand or subscribe to the show by going to Apple Podcasts and searching The Hangout in the Holy Land. Once you're there, you can find this show, all the previous shows, and all the future Hangout in the Holy Land episodes. Make sure to review, leave us a comment about what we can do to make this show better. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host. It is midweek, and folks, it's the most important week of the season for Ohio State football, at least up to this point. This is the game that we've been waiting for pretty much since the Oklahoma game for the last almost two months, and to break down what we think is going to happen against the Nittany Lions this week, I am joined by my co-host, my friend, and your friend, Matt Brown. Matt, what's up? Hey, hey everybody. Uh, it's always good here to be behind the mic. It means that I'm going to get a chance to talk about Ohio State football with my friends, and, and I'm not buried in spreadsheets or with some of the other, you know, less glamorous parts here of the day job. Uh, I'm really excited about this week. Uh, I'm excited about this football game. I'm excited about some of the accoutrement uh, that, 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 that comes with it. I think we have quite a bit to talk about. Yeah, well, let's talk about the main accoutrements for this game. If you guys haven't seen yet, which I'm sure there are none of you that already have not seen what Ohio State is wearing for this game, we're going to talk about the alternate uniforms to kick this off and what we think about them. So if you haven't seen them, make sure to go to the site, check them out. Ohio State is basically going, what would you say, all gray for this game. It's going to look kind of weird because it's a day game, not a night game, but... um. Matt, what do, you, what do you think about these alternate uniforms? Because they've generated some fierce discussion on the interwebs. Now, a lot of people were really mad about these. And I think part of that is because I'm not sure that the photos that came out at the beginning of the week were necessarily the same ones you saw at the end. And I, I'm also realizing that this is part of, of the life cycle, I think, as a blogger. As I get older and I get increasingly out of touch... And it's pretty clear, you know, not just these alternate uniforms, but but these in general are not made with me in mind, right? Like I I am I I am not the likely candidate to go buy these jerseys. Which if you go to I think a couple of our stories on Land Grant have links where you, where you can pick them up if you're if you're interested in that kind of thing. Um, I'm not likely to buy them. It's not going to impact where I play collegiate football <laughs> uh, or <laughs> attend university. So like I'm just a guy. I will say this. I think the helmets look really sharp. And I think far away on TV, that black and red contrast with the red Buckeye Leaf stickers and the, and the darker helmet, uh, I think that I think that looks really good. The rest of the stuff, uh, it looks worse the closer you get to it, but the kids seem to like it. I've got some blasphemous opinions about these. And first and foremost, I think that, in my opinion, these are better than the current home uniforms. What? This is the second. Yes. This is the second worst opinion I think you've ever aired on this podcast. Beyond the your your Chicago food actually that, being bad. That maybe, yeah, like I hope people yelled at you for that. I got a few complaints about that one, and you know I didn't respond or read any of it. So <laughs> everybody can kiss my ass on that. And when it comes to these jerseys, but let me let me give you my my opinion right. on these. Let's let's let, let's let's hear you talk. Get on back on your bullshit. So the current home uniforms, I, I don't think are trash. But I don't like the shoulder stripe. The old school, the pre-2006 shoulder stripe uniforms, both home and away, should be the current Ohio State football uniforms. We've seen them break them out a bunch of times. They broke them out for the college football playoff run in 2014. 
We saw him a lot in 2015, the opener against Hawaii. And then we even saw the road uniforms against uh, Penn State last year. I think that those are the best uniforms that they have. But I think that the current ones, even if the only difference is the shoulder stripe, I just think it's kind of bland and it doesn't do a lot for me. So I think having the full gray uniform from the, the shoes up to basically the helmet. And then, like you said, the the contrasting red stickers with that weird shiny gray, I, I think is pretty cool. And as a one-off, I, I like it. I, I don't think I, that I would want Ohio State to wear these more than a couple of times. But I, I think for a game like this, top 10 teams, revenge factor, it, it'd be better if it were at night. But I think for the spot that it's in, I really like them. And I think that they're nice uniforms. I don't know too many schools off the top of my head that I think have pulled off uh, an all gray or majority gray uniform that I thought looked really sharp. Like Tennessee did this a little while ago to honor like the Smoky Mountains and with the orange, I thought it looked weird. And Well, we'll say, we'll say that they're honoring the Smoky Mountains with those uniforms. Yes, <laughs> you know, some, some, something like that. There's been a couple other ones. Ohio State basketball has done this a couple of times before. It's, it's not for me, but I think of all of the things to get really indignant about. Like I look, if, if if this is something that you want to holler and and how it's 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 tarnishing the sacred tradition of Ohio State's uniforms and and desecrating their brand, listen, like live your truth, live your best life. Like I'm not gonna tell you, you know, not to do that. It do, it doesn't do it for me. I don't. I have not had a really strong emotional reaction to an Ohio State uniform in a while. Like the 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 old like I think this was like the the Chick Harley uniforms that were like that had like the 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 gray like solid V and like the weird fonts. Like I thought those were awful. Yeah, those but are pretty all bad. Ones are, I think we're somewhere between pretty good and fine. Yeah, and I think it, at least no matter where you come down on the, on either side of this, at least the primary color is actually a school color. Like we've seen Oregon just use like pink or they, they've used gray or black and it's like those aren't your colors. So at the very least, Ohio State at least has an excuse to do this. But let's jump into the game and some of the some of the, the big matchups and some of the things that we think are going to decide this game. So jumping right into it, uh, what's one or, or two things, what do you think are going to be the things that decide this game? Because this is this looks pretty evenly matched by S&P. Ohio State's the number one team in the country. Penn State is third. We saw what they did to Michigan last week. And no matter what your opinion is of Michigan, I think it was pretty impressive that Penn State was able to just dirt now them to the degree that they were so Penn State comes into this game hot Ohio State's probably the hottest team in the country over the last month what do you think this game's going to come down to there's a couple of things that jump off the page to me and I'm going to echo a, a quick column that I wrote for land grant I, I, I t- earlier today I guess it will you'll, it'll be yesterday when you all listen to this this absolutely banana stat that I saw from Ben Jones our, our friend who's been on this podcast he's a buddy of ours writes for statecollege.com He points out over the last two games against Ohio State, Penn State has converted guess how many third downs? I would say less than five. It's three. Out of how many? Out, they are three of twenty-five on third down and zero for three on fourth down over the <laughs> la, over the last two games. Ohio State's a little bit better; they're fourteen of thirty-three, and I think they picked up a, a fourth down or two in there. Like that's bananas, and it is. I think especially bananas, just given how those two teams match up with each other. Like this is a, this is a very improved Penn state team. Uh, it has a, a good defense. It has some matchup nightmares all over their offense. Obviously that's the best running back in the country, but one place where it's still not great. Um, and, and even though it's a big improvement over the last two or three years, is their offensive line. 
Um, their their line adjusted run numbers are not very good. Um, they, they they still give up too many sacks, especially in passing down situations. And if you're a team that is routinely getting off schedule and in third down, and you have to face Ohio State's rushman package, like that should be a disaster. That is where fumbles and sacks and interceptions and horrible throws all happen. So you would look at that on paper and think like Ohio State has a massive advantage. And, and, and this year, Penn State's only, like, okay at converting on third down. Generally, they're really bad at third and short situations. Um, but they're so explosive, and they have, they're have they so good at being able to pick up chunk plays, um, regardless of down and distance, that this almost doesn't matter. And that's got to be, like, how Ohio State responds to that emotionally as well as schematically, I think is going to be a really important um you know, storyline in this game. Because, you know, it's one thing, if you give up a third and 14 or something off, like, some bullshit scramble or because, uh, you know, b- you know Barkley stiff-armed two of your linebackers, like, that isn't just, it doesn't just suck because the drive gets extended, but that, it is, it, it's difficult to come back from that, like, emotionally. Like, that's a that's a huge letdown. You know, that's a throw-your-controller and anger kind of situation. If somebody does that to you three or four times a game, what does that do for your, you know, in your head? Um, Ohio State's ability to limit those and take advantage of those down and distance advantages, which they're likely to get over the course of this game, is going to play a huge role in, in whether they're they're likely to win. Like you know, they're they're a Vegas favorite, they're an S P plus favorite. They've more or less outplayed Penn State, I think, the last five times that they've played, even last year when the Nittany Lions got an upset because of two gigantic special teams plays. And I think that that's arguably still true for this season. But Penn State's good enough and explosive enough to flip all that on their head, and their defense is still very strong. In that similar vein, uh, I'm curious to see what the strategy is for Ohio State's defense against Saquon Barkley because throughout this season, we've seen different teams employ different ways of defending Penn State's offense. Iowa was pretty content to let Barkley get his, he had what, almost 300 yards of total offense in that game, plus what he was able to do on kick returns, but they kind of clamped down on everybody else. While we saw teams like Indiana and Northwestern, to a certain degree, they made their focal point of their defense stopping Barkley and it's up to everybody else to make plays and Penn state is still undefeated. So you can argue about how successful that strategy has been, but where, where do you think Ohio state is going to fall in that, um, in that strategy of, of defending Saquon Barkley, are they going to take the Iowa route where they let him kind of do his thing and they hope that players like Jerome Baker or some of the secondary guys can make plays if he's able to get past the defensive line? Or do you think that they take the Indiana approach and crowd the box and try to you know make everybody else beat them? I think they could potentially be successful in either of those ways. I, um, I kind of think, given what we've seen from Ohio State secondary this year, it may be better to try to clamp down on the passing game and trust Ohio State's defensive line to win enough battles to limit Barkley. And that's, you know, and uh, if, you, if you, and honestly, the offense plays a huge role here because if you're able to get out to a lead and force you know, Penn State to abandon the run game because they have to start throwing, that changes the, the trajectory of, this, of the offense completely. And, and last year was really interesting because I think Ohio State, mostly through scheme, basically kept the ball out of Barkley's hands to begin with. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the um, 
looking at the box score right now, and I, I distinctly remember being confused about this when I saw the game. Barkley only had 12 carries last season. Uh, McSorley had 19. <laughs> Some of those were on designed <laughs> runs. Some of those were on very much less than designed runs. And he was extremely inefficient throwing the football. And I think Ohio State's defense isn't quite as good as it was last year, but they, they, I think they can force similar matchups. Like, the defense played well enough to win last year. The uh, they just didn't on special teams. So you know that that that's the trick. If Barkley is able to get like 22 carries and and four catches, like there's no, I don't I don't see how Ohio State keeps Penn State under like 35. Well, no matter how they decide to defend him, I hope that Ohio State's coaching staff learned uh, a lesson in watching the Michigan game film from last week when it comes to Barkley, and that is if you have a bigger linebacker, do not trust him one-on-one because Mike McCray for Michigan is a very good football player. He's going to play in the NFL and Barkley absolutely embarrassed him. So I think if you're looking for one player to kind of be that spy on Barkley, it'll probably be Jerome Baker because yeah. I, I think that uh, whether if it's tough Borland, who is going to get even more playing time because it looks like Chris Worley still isn't a hundred percent with that foot injury or Malik Harrison or Dante Booker. I don't know how well any of those guys match up with Barkley athletically. So I think if you're looking to one guy to spy on him and, and kind of hold him in check, then it would be Jerome Baker. And, and I think that they stand a much better chance at limiting him than what Michigan did because their strategy wasn't very successful. No. The, the other big question here for me, it also ties into that efficiency, and it's how well Ohio State's able to get points on their drives. And this really, this really killed them last year, when uh, they were able to get you know, across the 50, you know, get near the 40, get into scoring position, and then not get points. Whether that was from missed field goals, whether that was from questionable play calling, uh, or just inability to execute, um, especially in a run-heavy offense last year. And Penn State's one of the very best in the country at limiting points per drive. Um, they, they're the, the single best in the country at, at, at setting up field position. They don't give up terribly many explosive plays, which is a big part of Ohio State's offense as well, especially attacking the perimeter. And so when Ohio State does get those chunk plays, because they're probably only going to get two or three over the course of the whole game. Do they convert them into points or they let them off the hook? You know, and, and, and that's going to speak to how well the Buckeyes run in between the tackles how how much they're relying on JT Barrett left, JT Barrett right within within their run game. If they're getting if they're if if they're forcing if they're limiting Penn State to you know 25% conversions on third down and they're converting most of those strips, I think they'll win by 10. And and that's around where I think both Vegas and SP have it. And that would go a long way towards changing a lot of the narratives around this program. Ohio State should be successful running the ball. Penn State's run defense isn't bad by any measure, but it, it's not a top notch front seven against the run either but we're gonna see what we've seen the past two and a half years from Penn State's defenses that we've seen from everybody else's that they're going to crowd the box and they're gonna put seven eight sometimes maybe even nine guys down there and force Ohio State force JT Barrett and the receivers to make plays and I think it's so simplistic and this is something we've talked about for a long time but that's going to determine, I think, the success of Ohio State's offense because they should be successful running the ball. But, you know, even if you're the best run offense in the country, if, if teams are just going to crowd the box with eight guys and you're not able to throw, then you're going to have some big problems. So 
it comes back to what everybody's been waiting for. How much has this passing game improved? Are the receivers able to get separation and make plays? Not even 30 yards down the field for JT Barrett, just 10, 15 yards down the field. Are they able to win those one-on-one matchups and make plays for him? If they're able to, that's going to open up the ground game, and I think that's where you'll you'll see that 2014 Michigan State game plan where they're able to use the intermediate pass, sometimes go over the top, but really be able to have success running the ball in a variety of different ways. Is there anything else other than this game that you're looking forward to watching this week? Because it definitely seems like this is a situation where most of the interesting games are all on at the same time. And obviously everyone is going to be watching this one. Yeah, I think that all the 130 games, or I guess 130 for me, the 330 Eastern games are really good. Uh, the Notre Dame-NC State game I think is going to be a lot of fun, has a potential to, to be a shootout game. NC State's turned the ball over the fewest amount of times in the country, and Notre Dame's in the top 10 in turnovers on defense. This is another showcase game for them. I think, too, at at some point, Brandon Wimbush is going to have to win them a game or prove that he can throw the ball 30 times and not be a liability. I, I don't know if that'll be this game, but I think that NC State can hang around with Notre Dame. And then TCU and Iowa State should be a lot of fun. That's in Ames. Seems like Iowa State has that reputation, whether it's deserved or not, as a giant killer at home. We've seen them play teams tough, and obviously they beat Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago. And I still am not quite sold on TCU's offense. I like what they do defensively, but uh, I think that those two games have potential to be really good. It's a shame that they're on at the uh, at the same time as the Ohio State game. And and the, the the world's largest cocktail party is on at that same time too. Not that that's going to be a fun game because watch don't watch that no, game anybody please is never fun. Although it is low key one of our drunkest and trashiest college football rivalries, which you know will be fun beforehand. Uh, I'm probably going to miss a fair amount of this weekend. I have to. I'm going down for a family thing in Greenville. Um, my mom is is being awarded something in East Carolina, so. Um, I'm going to catch most of the Ohio State game and be kind of hit or miss the rest of the weekend. Potentially interesting stuff before Saturday, I think. You know, if if we're at the point where we are degenerates, which I, I, if you're listening to this If podcast, we're at the point. Yeah, there's a, there's a fair chance you are. There's two, I think, good football games on on Friday. You got Tulane and Memphis. Memphis is, if you're looking for an American athletic team to adopt, I highly recommend the Tigers. They're fun. They sling the ball around all, all over the place. They're a top 25 team. They're facing an option squad that has improved significantly. It's trying to get back into a bowl game. It's going to be weird football. It's going to be fun football. Uh, and then Florida State, who sucks this year, is on the road at Boston College, who normally sucks, but over the last three weeks has suddenly discovered like they have an amazing offense. Like, they, uh, like they're like they playing NBA Jam and just like unlocked Bill Clinton and Unlimited Turbo. And, and now uh, one of the, the least watchable teams in the country is a bunch of high-flying bunch of dudes. And uh, Florida State losing on a Friday night in Chestnut Hill would be hilarious. They've done it before, haven't they? Ah, uh, I think it's been a while. Let's go fire up Winsipedia. Go vamp real quick while I go look this up. They they played close, I think, in the that 2014 season with uh, Jameis Winston. I know that was like a Thursday or Friday night game. USC's lost in Chestnut Hill, though, which is always good. But for Florida State, if they lose this game, they're not making a bowl because after this they have Syracuse has been – Pretty feisty the last few weeks. And then at Clemson, you would assume that's a loss. And then they, they play an FCS team and then at Florida to, to end the season. And that Florida-Florida State game, I 
am praying. I, I will actually get on my knees and pray to God tonight that that game is for bowl el- eligibility <laughs> for both teams and that one team is just going to not make a bowl game because of that this year. And whether that's Florida or Florida State, I really don't think uh, the general public can go wrong either way. No. The Florida State has, I believe they may end up rescheduling their the previously hurricane canceled game against Louisiana Monroe to try and back asswards fall into a bowl game because I think they have like the longest streak in the country at this point of making bowls. In case you're wondering, the last time Florida State lost at Boston College was 2009, BC 28, Florida State 21. The Knowles have an all-time series lead of 10 to 4 and have won seven times in a row. I'm sure I'm sure you were curious about that. Do you have any interest in this Michigan State Northwestern game? <laughs> Absolutely not. I hate watching both those teams. Um, do you? I don't disagree. No, I have no interest in that. This is going to be awful. No, I don't I don't like watching uh, I, Northwestern football makes me bitter because I, I thought that they were going to win like nine or ten games. I thought they had some really interesting offensive skill position talent, and they've been butt, and they should fire a couple of assistant coaches, and they won't because Northwestern has no expectations, and they're fine as long as they, you know, make the heart of Texas Bowl or whatever against, North, you know, Louisiana Tech. Well, the more Northwestern loses, the further down in value our Medill degrees go, so that's obviously a problem. Yeah, well, as a Medill grad, I also can't watch Northwestern without uh, getting emotional, and as a serious professional journalist, I obviously can't do that. Are there any other games? Because the the night slate, the the big one, somehow is Washington State Arizona, which bef- before the season, like who would have thought that that game? Who would have thought Iowa State TCU would have been a big game or NC State Notre Dame? So maybe that's the theme outside of this Ohio State Penn State game is like you have this trio of games that are secretly pretty good which nobody thought they uh they would be shout out to rich rodriguez in arizona and khalil tate doing their thing down there yeah that's going to be a fun game if you like offense but most of us won't get a chance to watch it because it's on the pac-12 network uh clemson georgia tech i think is fun same reason like you got an option team going against a a really talented squad that has some offensive questions at this point and then uh, we could see Mike Riley's last stand because Nebraska plays at Purdue at BTN, and if they lose to Purdue again, um, I don't, I don't think he gets to come home. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time that Nebraska's lost to Purdue. Also, could be a little tricky. 8 p.m. ABC, Texas Tech on the road at Oklahoma. Oklahoma's defense is awful, or at least they've been awful since that Ohio State game. And if we know one thing about Texas Tech, it's that they can score, and they've been able to turn teams over this season. I, I would not be shocked at all if Texas Tech is in this game late. Oklahoma's favored by 20 points, which I do not understand. So uh, definitely one to keep an eye on as well. Same with Georgia Tech-Clemson, like you mentioned. There's 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 a, there's a lot to potentially keep an eye on here. Maybe not as much to, to plan your evenings around, but... Um, there's, 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 there's good football. I, I want to talk about one last thing here before we wrap up. Speaking of um, emotions, um, there was this is a college basketball news story. But uh, earlier today, this is this is Wednesday afternoon when uh, when we're recording. Uh, North Carolina basketball's Joel Berry or Joel Berry um, broke his hand. And it came out that he broke his hand because he punched something after losing at a video game. And the exact video game, as of this recording, has not been released. But my guess is this is going to be NBA 2K, um, which has made me more frustrated, I think, than anything in my adult life outside of stuff that's related to politics or fatherhood. And that's for something I allegedly do for fun. I'm curious. 
What is the most angry a video game has ever made you? Have you ever been mad enough to break a hand or, or a bone over a video game? I've never been mad enough, but a video game has made me super depressed. So back in college, like freshman, sophomore year, I didn't live in the dorms. So I would always come back to my house and, uh, you know, we, we'd be out till two, three in the morning and I would come back and I would play Sonic the Hedgehog on Sega Genesis. And if you know anything about those old Genesis games, you, you couldn't save anything. No save points for you kids out there. You had to 3. beat the game. You had to beat the game in one swoop. And if you didn't, tough shit. You got to start over again. And so I was building up, you know, getting there week by week. And finally, what this one weekend, I made it to the last level, was going up against Dr. Robotnik. I had two lives left. It was 5.30 in the morning. I thought I was going to do it. And my hand slipped. I died. And that was it. It was over. And I, I, more so than anything, just felt like, uh, just felt like a waste. I, I felt like I was, was, was building up to this moment that I was finally going to beat Sonic the Hedgehog after all these years of playing it, and I didn't do it. And uh, it was a pretty depressing <laughs> moment. The first Sonic is so frustratingly hard. And, like, the middle levels aren't even fun. I, 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 I get that completely. I didn't think it would, the, the games actually got good until Sonic 3 when you could save. Um, I have broken Xbox controllers from NBA 2K. You know, when I gave I gave up like 26 points to Vince Carter back when Vince like and like not when Vince Carter was like actually good, but like Dallas Mavericks version Vince Carter or, you know, nine turnovers with Roy Hibbert or something. And, you know, you're, you're playing online. And I, I think there was, there was a game last year. This is like the, the last time I got really into 2K. I was playing against some some guy whose jerseys were all Trump jerseys and it was an all white team. And I lost on a <laughs> at the buzzer three pointer. Um I think it was Manu Ginobili, which from Mike Mike Dunley. No, oh God, if it had been a white American, it would have been worse. <laughs> no, it was, I'm pretty sure it was an Argentine, but it was, they were all either they're all white white dudes or, or European foreigners, uh, and that was just the most frustrating thing in the entire world. So I, at that point, like I wanted nothing more than to just destroy him with my diverse, <laughs> multi-ethnic, uh, you know my team squad right and uh you know have steve francis just ruin his life but it, it did it didn't happen and uh honestly like i feel like the older i get the angrier video games are making me i, I don't know if it's because i have limited time um so like i don't want to waste time grinding uh or if it's because i've, I've played nba basketball online or something or or, or what it is but I, I feel like i'm emotionally more upset when bad things happen during video games now than i was when i was like 18. Like, the entirety of my watchdogs experience was, like, nothing more than just, like, boiling white-hot rage. I feel like we're going to have a couple of listeners that are secretly, after that 2K story, going to be like, that's actually good. That's the best thing that we've talked about on this podcast. No, man. Like, if, if you had to make an NBA 2K team of just white dudes and only Americans, like... I don't, I don't think it'd be very good. Would you have like, what, Bob Cousy as your point guard, Kevin Love will play power forward with Jerry Lucas... You have like George Mikan as like your center, uh, Dan Marley as your shooting guard, and I don't know who your white. I guess Larry Bird. Yeah, I guess that would be a pretty good team. Ugh, nobody do that. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody do that. But what you should do is if you have any good uh, video game stories like this, send them to me or Matt on Twitter. You can send me a tweet at Dubsco. Matt, where can they reach you? You can find me online at Matt SBN on Twitter.com. Um, you can find my book, What If, A Closer Look at College Football's Great Questions. 
uh, on Amazon and Kindle. There's going to be a price adjustment this week. Stay tuned. There should be a book signing at the Book Loft in beautiful Columbus, Ohio, and the Reader's Garden in Granville, Ohio. Those should be coming in um, uh, mid-November. Um, so you have a chance to come tell me that I suck in person or have you sign uh, a book and, and say nice things to you in person. Um, we'll get the exact dates on those soon, but those are close enough to happening that I feel like I can actually talk about them online. Yeah, make sure to go buy Matt's book. Check it out. If you're in Ohio, please go to the signings. You can, like Matt said, you can tell him uh, he sucks. You can tell me that I suck by sending me a tweet at Dubsco, and you're going to get a chance to tell us that we're really bad here in a second because, Matt, I forgot to ask uh, before we get out of here, if you have to make a prediction for Saturday's game, what, do you, what are you thinking? Give me the Buckeyes, 38 to 30. I think that sounds about right. I'll, I'll take Ohio State, too. I think it may be a little less scoring, but somewhere around the lines of 31 to 27 but uh I thought I would feel more nervous for this game as it got closer but I'm feeling pretty calm and and I think that uh even if you go back and watch last year's game if this makes sense Penn State deserved to win that game but Ohio State probably should have won that game and I think we're gonna see a little bit more of that and a few less mistakes from Ohio State this year. And they're going to be able to throw the ball a little bit better. And uh, I, I think that this is probably J.K. Dobbins' big coming out party, at least on a national stage. I, I hope so. I hope so. In, in terms of should, like I, I don't think there's any question. Like Absolutely, Ohio State should have won last year. They outgained Penn State by more than 100 yards. They had more than 10 minutes of uh, possession. They converted um, seven more third downs and a fourth down. They had a, a, a way better yards per rush. They were more efficient passing the football, and they won the turnover battle. But you should absolutely win that game if you do all those things. But uh, seven more penalties and two terrible special teams mistakes. That's all she wrote. Well, hopefully our post-game discussion this year is a lot more festive than it was last year. And if, if you want to listen to that or find that show, be sure to go to soundcloud.com slash Land. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts by searching The Hangout in the Holy Land. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, tell us that you want more video game discussion. Before we know it, guys, it's going to be the offseason, and Matt and I are going to want to talk about Pokemon. I want to rank all the Big Ten stadiums in relation to Mario Kart tracks. I have a lot of video game-related ideas coming down the pipeline so uh please tell us what you think about the show and send us a tweet at landgrant 33 and reach me on twitter at dubsco that's probably a good place for us to wrap up hope you guys have enjoyed the show we want to thank you for listening hope you guys have fun on saturday night be safe while you're watching the game if you're going make a lot of noise and cheer on the buckeyes but until next time for matt brown i'm colton denning this is the hangout in the holy land and go bucks